Welcome to the show. I am your host, Todd Dallas-Lamb, and you're listening to On The Clock. On The Clock is a venture with the Strategos Podcast Network, where we feature an array of guests to dive into all things education. We hope you enjoy. Welcome back to On The Clock. I am your host, Todd Dallas-Lamb. My guest today is the Associate Superintendent for Academics at Greenville County Schools, uh, my friend Jeff McCoy. Jeff, thank you for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. How are you today? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Todd. You are quite welcome. You know, we I've been saying this now for the last few interviews. We are going to talk about cool stuff going forward. We are not going to dive into the COVID world of, of the last year. So, uh, I'm really happy to be doing that. We've 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 dove we have dived into every aspect of COVID for the last year, and we're going to talk about teachers today because that's an area of emphasis emphasis for you. And I have a personal connection with teachers. My mom was a, a fifth grade teacher for 42 years. She started out in uh, an Amish part of Ohio, where she used to say that uh, punishment was a shush, and she ended in 1992. With kids who had, uh, you know, been born with with addictions through the crack problem of the '90s, so she saw quite a gamut. And I have a obviously a deep respect for teachers. I'm fascinated in the topic. Uh, can't wait to dive into it and, and give me some sense of of Greenville and the school district that you're in, the size. Give me a minute on uh, who you guys are and how many students you got and your role there. Yeah, so Greenville County Schools, we're in the upstate of South Carolina. We are the largest in um, the state of South Carolina. We have 77, 78,000 students, um, high growth district. We grow still about 900 to 1,200 students per year. Um, so it's kind of a mecca for big business and lots of kids continue to moving in. Um, so in my role as associate superintendent, I really am responsible for everything that falls under the academic umbrella, including career and technical education, early childhood. Um, and we have an associate superintendent of operations who handles everything. Uh, the not so fun side of the house, I would say. I, I'm sure he would disagree with that. But <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, I, I had Jane Stavum. I think, you know, Jane um, from Sioux Falls. And we had a conversation that covered a lot of areas. And one of the things that we talked about was this phenomenon that is taking place where we see a lot of superintendents uh, leaving the profession. And I, it occurred to me as I was getting ready to talk to you about teachers, are we, are, are we seeing the same thing with teachers over the last year? I mean, I know that there's a huge uh, uh, exit rate normally. I know a lot of districts have to replace a lot of teachers every year. Has it, has it increased uh, similarly to what we're seeing with superintendents? So ironically for us, at least, it hasn't increased. Um, as you said, we've been on a downward trend the last couple of years as far as more and more teachers leaving the profession. Um, Greenville, maybe just because we're, where we're located um, or because of our school system, um, while we still struggle to find teachers in certain areas, and that's been a struggle the last five years, um, this year coming out of COVID, we really did not see any more teachers retiring than or leaving the profession than we had in the past, actually. What is the average tenure of a teacher in this country. I suppose your district is no different than the rest of the country. How long do you expect to have them when you get them? Well, I think definitely the average, I mean, definitely the minimum would be 28 years um, for us. That's where I would say most people make to 28. But honestly, most of our teachers um, are well within the range of 30 to 35 years um, when they're retiring. And many, because I attend the retirement dinners every year, uh, many of them are in their 40 um, plus service years in the county as well. That's 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 actually incredibly impressive. I think the average length of a superintendent is two and a half years, which 
I've always noted was about the same period of time that a running back lasts in the NFL. That's what that's <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'll get back to my mom for a second to make a point. I, I worked for Jim Simons for uh, a period of time, uh, who's a billionaire uh, hedge fund uh, manager. And he took his expertise in mathematics and applied it to Wall Street and made a zillion dollars and then gave some of that back in the form of a foundation called, uh, I believe it's called Math for America, uh, where he would incentivize mathematician students at MIT uh, and other schools around the country to go teach in schools. And one of the points he always made to me, and it really struck home because my mom was kind of an example of this glass ceiling that occurred in America in the, in the 50s and 60s, was really talented women uh, who today would go make a lot of money for, for Google and for uh, Amazon were, were forced into one profession, and that was teaching. And, and that, I guess that stunk for them in the long run, but it was really kind of a cool deal for our kids because we got some of the most amazing teachers you could possibly get. What is the dynamic now? I mean, who are the students that are, are moving into teaching? And I think there's there's some misconceptions perhaps about who they are, that they sort of fall into teaching rather than want to do it their whole life. Give me a sense of who these folks are. Yeah, so I, you know, I think our younger ones coming out of college, um, first years, if you want, if you would, I think most of them um, that we've seen, at least, we have a fairly high retention rate with those students um, coming out to be teachers. Um, we provide a lot of support for them. I think teachers today need a lot of support, brand new teachers. Ironically, though, we're not necessarily different from other places. We've had to get very creative with where we find our teachers. Um, we started a certification program called GATE about five years ago. where We, we, certi we certify our own math teachers and science teachers, um, soon to be business ed and special ed as well. And those people come exclusively from the business world. Um, those are career transitions, people who, to your point, have worked in corporate America and are looking for a change and are looking to give back. Um, maybe they've made their money in the, in the corporate world. Um, and, and some of those teachers, ironically, um, are some of the uh, most innovative teachers. Um, they have a passion for their content area and they actually connect so much of their content to the real world um, because they actually were engineers. They actually were, you know, um, mathematicians or work for NASA or whatever it happens to be. So it's it's fascinating to me when I walk into one of those gate teachers classrooms versus a traditionally trained uh, teachers classroom. Not to say one's better than the other, but there's a difference a lot of times when you see the connections of that teacher who worked in the business world making for students that the other teachers sometimes just don't know how to make because they haven't spent any time in the business world in certain fields. So I think a lot of people um, wonder why the heck isn't a really gifted uh, history instructor at a university able to go teach the same topic, frankly, in, in a high school. And I, I suspect a lot of them would like to do that. But you're in South Carolina. I'm guessing it's a little easier to do that transition there than maybe in some other states. Yeah, a little bit. They um, they would have to go through an alternative certification program still, most likely. But because of their experience and what they did teaching at the college level, um, they would go through something called PACE through South Carolina or they could go through GATE, which is our internal Greenville County Schools um, certification program um, and become certified. So South Carolina really has um, allowed, I, not to the detriment, I think they've allowed us to do some creative things to find good, high quality teachers that we still have to train and we still have to coach and we still have to make sure they're 
um, of quality. But um, with those parameters wrapped around it, um, I think we've gotten some great teachers from the business sector. So what is your, I know that you, um, a, a big focus of, of your work is, is coaching your teachers. What's the toughest subjects? And I, I, I guess I have to guess the same problem that I had in high school was math. Uh, I would imagine that it's, it's harder to find extraordinary math teachers because if you're extraordinary at math, you go work for one of these big companies. You don't go teach eighth graders fractions. And I'm, how do you, how do you go about coaching those folks? So I think for us, we have a fairly aggressive coaching model in place where we've shifted probably four years ago. I had to make a real big change in Greenville. Um, and we actually use the sports analogy as well that, that you just did a few minutes ago. But um, we kind of use that, um, that analogy that every, every teacher deserves a coach. Um, they, uh, coaches in football don't coach just the poor players who, who spend all their time on the bench. They're coaching the best player and the you know, struggling player. Um, because our teachers at the higher end, they want to perform as well. I'm um, better. They want to always get better. So we really shifted our coaching model, one of deficit coaching to one of everybody deserves a coach. And so for our teachers, math, um, we have some amazing math teachers. I think to your point, though, we've had to get a lot of our math teachers from um, the alternative certification field. Um, and many of them are amazing at content. They just don't have the pedagogy and strategies that our traditional teachers would have because they spent four years in college learning those. So we spend a lot of time coaching around those strategies on how to um, best get children to learn those best practices. Um, and also um, some of them do struggle a little bit more with discipline than sometimes the traditional teachers, because again, they just weren't, they didn't have a student teaching experience to learn that. And they didn't really have the college classes to teach them how to manage a classroom sometimes. I also think it's tougher with math because America, for right or for wrong, has sort of accepted the fact that we're really we're decent at reading and writing, um, but we're we we also sort of freely admit that we stink at math, and we don't expect a ton from our kids in math because we stunk at it too, and so that leaves a, a lot of pressure on you to coach up these teachers, right? To 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 make up for that deficit. Yeah. Yeah, we've got some great partnerships with one of the vendors we use for our math curriculum. Um, they spend a lot of time coaching our teachers in the classroom as well. Um, and I think people are realizing more and more, though, how critical um, math is. And to your point that, you know, sometimes the United States lags behind many countries, many, you know, first uh, first world countries when it comes to math. And so that's certainly something we have tackled and focused the last three years is really building our math capacity um, conceptually among our children at all grade levels. There's hope. I mean, my, both of my sons are extraordinary at math. I have one that's a chemistry student, and I almost wonder if he's even my kid based on my struggles with math, you know, in high school and college. I think I married my wife because she got me through the basic math requirement in college. <laughs> I, I mean, there was other factors involved, but that certainly was in the top three or four. Um, so, so how are we doing with producing teachers now? I mean, I mean you've been through this yourself, I mean, are we, are, there, are our colleges doing a great job of kicking them out? Are we, are we finding them early in college and, and motivating them? Uh, one of the cool things that I've noticed over the years is this, you, and you run into them every once in a while, these Teach for America teachers, um, they're incredibly uh, inculcated in our K-12 system, whether it be for their experience in the schools, but then they also sort of bleed out and start companies that focus on education. That's got to be a part of the mix. But what's your sense of where, how we're doing with making teachers in America? 
So, I mean, I think we've struggled the last couple of years. I know for us, math, as we uh, mentioned before, math is a huge deficit area as far as finding a talent pool of people who are available. Um, I think in the entire, I think if I remember correctly, in the entire state of South Carolina last year, there was like one math graduate um, for secondary education. Um, they're just, uh, the struggle, I don't know that, I think the college programs that we work with are solid college programs. Um, we've worked with the colleges. They're very open to listening to what we need. And I think they're responsive to those needs. I think the problem is on the recruiting side. Um, we are having a tremendous challenge recruiting teachers into the teaching field. Um, it's not so much once they get in there, they get a great education in college. I think they come out very well prepared um, in most cases. Um, we just can't get them even in the pipeline to get started is the problem. You know, one of the things that we do on this show is is we're talking to people all over the country and how and I'm sort of fascinated how because, you know, South Carolina gets to do it you know differently than Texas. And you know, how many teachers are you getting from South Carolina that want to come to Greenville? Um, a good many, um, but we actually recruit all around the country. Um, yep. We recruit heavily in the north, New York, Ohio. Um, we recruit um, we have a full time recruiting team. Um, that's the, all they do is they go around the colleges, they go around the recruitment fairs and do recruit. Um, you know, we have the benefit of living in the South. The weather's better, so we can entice some teachers away from their northern cold um, climates um, down south. But um, we have had the result. I mean, we have for many years um, in order to staff all our vacancies have had to make sure we recruit around the country, not just South Carolina. Um, but we certainly do recruit in our big colleges here as well. It's it's funny. We keep we keep latching on to aspects of college football here. There's recruiting, there's coaching, right? Um, South Carolina is really good at, 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 at football. I know that for a fact. What are some of the hotbeds of recruiting that you're going after states that are easy transitions for you to, re I'm, I'm, you mentioned the weather. I mean, are you going after teachers in Minnesota and, and Michigan? So I know we do. I know we do recruiting in Buffalo and Rochester. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, strategically probably do that in the in the midwinter when it's still 60 degrees here and it's, you know, four feet of snow in the ground up there. Um, and they also that other plan. The other reason we do that is because they at one point, I think this is still true. There was still more teachers coming out of college certified than there were jobs in those areas. Um, right. so that was a be big benefit. We try to find areas like that. I'm not intentionally recruiting people away from their their towns and where they live, but I, I came from Pennsylvania. I grew up in Pennsylvania. Uh, my friends, it was not uncommon for them to have to sub for five years before they got a full-time teaching position. Um, so we really look at those kinds of states and those areas and say, okay, where where is there too many teachers that can't get jobs and see if we can recruit them down south for a job? Well, I, I saw the census data in the last few months, and it seems like a lot of folks are moving into the south Yes. The so, south of our country. Yes. Greenville's, yeah. Greenville's growing at a tremendous rate. Um, you know, like I said, we have 900 to 1,200 kids per year. We typically are growing. We, you know, build a school every other year or so in Greenville. Um, but just the amount of construction, the amount of housing developments going up around here in Greenville, at least, is uh, tremendous. You know, you you talk about recruiting um, to that area. It's funny. I, I have a lot of, I'm in that mode of life. I think I'm a little older than you where i I'm at that phase of life. You know, there's like four phases of life, right? There's, there's, you get through high school, that's a blur. And then you, um, you, you start going to weddings, you know, in your twenties, like every summer is seven, seven weddings. And then you, um, you start having kids. So you start having to buy gift for the kids. I'm in the, everybody I know has a kid going to college. Wow. And I would say for South Carolina, I've been sort of surprised how many 
students are wanting to go there from the Maryland area. Uh, College of Charleston is a big draw. Uh, Clemson is a big draw. And South Carolina certainly is a big draw. I know 10 kids that have gone to all three of those schools are, are about to go. Uh, what is it about South Carolina? I mean, is it is it more than just the weather? It, it seems like it's a pretty hot state right now. Well, I mean, I think it is a hot state. Um, I think from from the retirement side, a lot of people who I know who moved here weren't really ready to go to Florida and the, the climate and the hot in Florida, um, but yet want a little bit milder winter from the north. And so I think it's a good midpoint between the north and south, um, the extreme south. Um, even though it does get hot down here, um, but the the winters are very mild. Um, and you know, I think it is a big having grown up in the north. It's a huge culture change. Um, it's just you know very different um, from the culturally from the just friendliness of the people I think that are here and to live here um, versus from where I grew up in the north. Not to say y'all aren't friendly up there, but you know, I grew up there. <laughs> you know, it's it's a very different culture. <laughs> All right, so you you're from Pennsylvania, but you've yeah. you got that stone cold southern accent right down. How did you pull that off? Well, I've, I've lived in South Carolina longer than I've been in New York. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, it's funny. I um, My first trip to South Carolina ever was about 20 years ago when I was working in the federal government and I had to go to some of the state capitals oh, yeah. and I, I, I had breakfast and they brought me grits and I'd never had that in my whole life. And I asked the, the waitress, what, what, what in the hell is this? It's really good. And she goes, where are you from? Because she knew I clearly wasn't from there. And it was fantastic. And it, uh, that sort of leads us to like our, we always wrap up these interviews with with grilling our guests on uh, the local cuisine. Uh, America is an amazing place. Y you you went from Pennsylvania to South Carolina. You, you, you uh, uh, just affected the accent perfectly because it's just, if you're around it, that's how you talk. Um, I, I have people that can't believe I'm from California because I've been in Washington DC area so long. Uh, tell me about if I'm in, if I'm in Greenville, uh, did I say that right? Is Greenville's the way to say that, right? Uh, what, what am I eating? Where should I go? So there, uh, Greenville is known for the restaurant. So if you've ever been to our downtown area, you know, you can walk downtown and get any, any number of amazing restaurants depending on what you want. Um, I, we like, uh, we love a restaurant in the, kind of the heart of downtown called Sobeys. Um, it's a Southern, um, Southern cuisine kitchen. Um, and just that's, if we're going out to eat, that's typically one of the places we're going to hit, um, for there, but also lots of places that's uh, very popular in Greenville now where our hotels in the downtown all have rooftop bars and restaurants. And so, um, any number of those are amazing to go up and just kind of enjoy the, you know, the high, the scenery of Greenville surrounding and have a drink or dessert or, um, food up there. But Greenville is very much of a foodie town. It's known for its food. It's known for its, uh, Southern cuisine. Well, I mean, for people that have never been to, you know, the South in the last few years, I've been blown away having traveled down there so much that it's it's not fried chicken anymore. It's it is serious foodie cuisine. Um, they're really experimenting with a lot of really cool ideas. Some of the best chefs are in the country are going down there to take advantage of all that it has to offer, which is a lot of great produce, yeah. uh, a lot of farm to table uh, proteins, uh, beef, pork, the whole thing, chicken. Uh, it's been amazing. We just drove up from from Florida to Maryland and stopped in Georgia, uh, Savannah, and, and we're just blown away by some of the restaurants in that area. Yeah, it's, gr it's great. If you like food, it's a great place. <laughs> well, 
Jeff McCoy, you are now off the clock. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. If you if you have a second, tell us how folks might get a hold of you. Uh, you pick your brain. I, I will add, uh, you know, you're one of the few non-superintendents we've had on the show so far. Uh, I picked you for a reason. Uh, I've been on many panels with you. Uh, I've always been blown away by your 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 thoughtfulness on on the topics of of education. And I, I know there's bigger things for you to come down the road. We can't wait to see you again. But how would folks get a hold of you if they had to? Uh, my email address is uh, jmccoy at greenville.k12.sc.us, or you can find me on Twitter at jmccoygcs. I love it. Well, folks, thank you. Um, thank you, Jeff. Thank you uh, for uh, all of our audience for listening to this. We're going to send it around the country. Uh, somebody should uh, figure out how to hire this guy. He's a big deal. <laughs> thank you, Jeff. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. If you want to learn more about the show, please visit www.strategosgroup.com. Please consider subscribing on your podcast streaming platform so you don't miss out on our next episode. And until next time, I'm Todd Dallas-Lamb, signing off.